There are many paths in life, many roads to choose from, but only one of them leads to eternal life. Jesus offers a new way and invites us along to welcome others, to live with integrity, to share the good news that He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. If you have Him, you have all you need. There is no other way. In mid-May, I started a series. It was going to be a three-part, three-Sunday series. We were going to look at some of the highlights of the sermon on the Mount. Well, four months and 17 sermons later, we're ready to conclude the Sermon on the Mount. Look with me in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus has finished the sermon. He, uh, he started with the Beatitudes for a great introduction. He spent a great deal of time in the body of the sermon describing for us the kingdom of God, what that looks like. He was, in essence, bringing to the world a new way, a new way of thinking, a new way of living, a whole new way of understanding God and our role in his world. He introduced that and then he, he, he kind of uh, filled it out for us to let us see what life in his kingdom would look like. The theme really throughout the Sermon on the Mount was summed up in one verse when he said, your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. Because we say, well, how could that be? They, they do everything. They know all the laws and the rules. And they're, they're known for keeping the rules. And they even help everyone else keep the rules. And how can we be more righteous than they? And the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount is on your own, you can't. You need Jesus. And then Jesus does something within. The rules and the regulations of the Pharisees, those are external they're outside of yourself. The musts, the do's, the don'ts, they're outside of you. But when Jesus becomes king of your life, when you're in the kingdom of God, well, then he starts work on the inside. And that's how we become more righteous than even the rule keepers. Because he's doing something on the inside. He's changing us from within. And he, he spells all of that out, helps us see how all of that works. He, it, it all kind of culminates in what we've always called the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then is basically the conclusion. The conclusion is a series of invitations, really. It's a series of choices. He says there's a narrow gate and there's this wide gate. Few people choose the, 
the narrow gate, and a bunch of people go through the wide gate. The narrow gate leads to a narrow way. The broad gate or the wide gate leads to a broad way. Most people wind up there because that's, that's where everybody's going and you go with the crowd. The few who choose the narrow gate leading to the narrow path find life. Those who stay on the broad path end in destruction, he says. And then he, he, he says, you know, there are two kinds of, of trees there's a good tree that bears good fruit, and there's a bad tree that bears bad fruit. And so when you listen to people, choose who you listen to. Those who direct you into that narrow gate, that narrow way that leads to life, they're good trees that bear good fruit. In other words, there's good, there's, there's good uh, production in their life. You can look and see that they're the real deal. But there are many who are going to lead folks down that broad path that ends in destruction. Look at their fruit. You can see that's a bad tree because it's bearing bad fruit. So he compares two gates and two waves and, and, and two trees. And this morning, he's going to compare two builders and two foundations. Look with me as we consider together the way of wisdom. Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. See, he's, he's saying now the sermon is over. Uh, but, but before you take off and, 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 and get to the hamburger joint or to Amigos... Let me remind you that everyone who hears these words that I've just spoken and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it didn't fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. He starts with two builders described. One is wise, one is foolish. Notice that they have a couple of things in common. They're both building houses. They both have a dream. They're, they're building something. As we go through, it becomes very obvious that building the house represents you building your life. As you put your life together, as you make those, those decisions and those commitments and you follow a, a certain path, and as you put your life together, it is you're building your house. Both these guys had a dream that they would build a house. Something else they had in common was that they both heard the same message. He says, if you hear my words and do them, you're wise. If you hear my words and don't do 
what I've been saying, and you're foolish. They both heard the same words. They both heard the same message. The question was then, what did they do with what they heard? I, I, think, I think I needed to hear this reminder because many times I will listen to a sermon on YouTube or Audible or whatever. I, I listen to sermons from various places. And, and what I wind up doing is kind of evaluating. That was a good sermon. That was a weak sermon. He should have done this point here. He should have used that illustration there. You know, I start evaluating the preaching. And then when it's over, I say, okay, I heard a sermon. Check it off my list. I wonder if anybody else ever kind of feels that way where you come to a room full of people and you hear a sermon and you check it off. I heard one. Yeah. Jesus says it's not in the hearing that matters. It's in the doing. That's where it makes the difference. And so he says the wise man doesn't just hear, but he does. He makes it a part of his life. As he's building his life, he does so with care and thought. He's wise because he, he lives out the things we just talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 26, the foolish man hears, but he doesn't do anything about what he heard. He just heard. He, he, he's kind of building his life with an eye on himself and, and, and on the now what I want, what I think, what I feel, instead of building his life on what Jesus has taught him. Jesus says, basically he's saying, my word is that firm foundation. My, the, the sermon specifically, but also whatever, what, what, all they hear from Jesus, his teaching is a firm foundation. He said, the guy who heard and did what I taught built his life, his house, on a rock. It was solid. The other guy who just listened politely and then left, well, now he's going to go build his life without that instruction, without that care that I, that I tried to share with him. And he's, he's building his life on sand. The two builders are described very clearly. One builds on the foundation of Christ and his teaching. The other builds on what many people would find in that broad path that we talked about. Feelings, opinions, thoughts, what's popular, what's, what's hip. Two builders are described. As I thought about these two guys and how we build on one foundation or the other, my brain kept moving to the same place, to, to that little town in Italy, Pisa. You know what's in Pisa? Nothing except that. They're known for nothing else except a very, very long time ago. They built that thing on sandy ground. And over time, that 
lack of foundation caused this thing to start tilting. Even though tourism is about all that town has, they had to shut down tourism to the tower throughout the 1990s. They shut it down. You couldn't go, couldn't see it. Because through that decade, they had to attach cables to that thing, hold it back as much as they could. Then they got a drill that would go underground and then under where this thing was and would start pulling dirt out of the north side over here, this, this side, so that it would pull that thing back a little bit because some smart engineers realized that if they didn't do anything, eventually that building was going to fall. And so they got to work. And they removed 110 tons of dirt. They reduced that, that famous lean by 15 inches. Just up, up at the top, they, you go 15 inches, that's how much they were able to pull that thing back. And by doing that, they think that they have secured it for another 200 years. 200 years from now, somebody else is going to have to figure out what to do with that thing. It's a 185-foot tower, and it was at one time leaning 17 feet further south than the bottom. So the top was, was 17 feet farther south than the bottom of the tower was. And they just brought it back, not much, but enough. All because somebody built the thing on sandy ground. They lacked that firm foundation. And so Jesus says, think of these two guys. You've heard the Sermon on the Mount. You've been introduced to the kingdom of God. That, that by trusting in Jesus, by making him king, your life then is set on the right trajectory you're on you're on path with God or you can just hear the pretty words and set it aside and keep building your house on the sand Romans chapter 2 and verse 13 reminds us that it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God but the doers of the law who will be justified Again, in James chapter 1 and verse 22, we're taught to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He says you deceive yourselves, and we do. Because when we hear a Bible teacher or a preacher say something from Scripture and it resonates with us, we say, amen. Well, y'all don't very often, but sometimes we'll say, amen. And we deceive ourselves. We think, because we agree with what we've heard, that it's a part of our lives. We're deceiving ourselves. James says, be doers, not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. You hear something from Scripture. You read something from Scripture. It's not enough to say, I agree with that. That sounds good. We have to actually go ahead and apply it and live it and use it to build the house that we're in the process of building. The two builders are described. And then notice the two foundations are tested. 
the two foundations tested. In verse 25, we were looking at the man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. It's usually dry in that region, kind of like it's been dry here until just recently. And you know what happens when it's, when it's dry, when you got those cracks in your backyard and, the, and, and, the, and the, the ground is hard, and then it finally rains? That rain kind of hits it and just rolls right off. And that happens here in this dry region. When the rain does come, the ground can't, can't receive it all fast enough. And so instead of receiving all the, the water, it just runs off. So when the rain came in this dry region, there were often sudden torrents of water that would rush down valleys and through ravines. And that's the picture that he paints here and one with which they would be at least somewhat familiar. The rain fell and the floods came. Well, that's what happens in that region. When the rains fall, the floods come. And the winds blew and beat on that house, but it didn't fall. It was a terrible storm, but the house did not move. Compare that to verse 27. The guy who just continued to build his house however he wanted to didn't really build on what he had learned. He just, he just built his thing his way. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Notice it was the same storm. The same storm. He even went he, phrase by phrase describing rain fell, floods came, wind blew. Same storm. But one house stood and the other didn't. What made the difference was not the house. It was not the way it looked. It was not the way it felt. It was... What was the foundation upon which it was built? Friends, you're in the process of building your life. The question is, what are you building it on? Are we building our lives on the truth of Jesus Christ, on who he is and what he says? Are we building life his way? Or are we like so many people today where we build our lives our way and then we want to sprinkle a little Jesus on it? There are two things you need to know about storms in life. The storm came, one house stood, the storm, very same storm, the other house fell. There's, there's two things that you need to know about storms in life. One, storms will come. Storms will come. You can count on it. I guarantee you that either you're just coming out of a storm or you are right smack dab in the middle of the storm today or there's a storm brewing heading your way. I promise you, storms come in this life. The other thing that you need to know about storms is you don't know how sturdy your house is until the storm comes. The storm is what tests us. The storm is what shows us 
how sturdy, how steady our lives are. You don't know if that house is going to hold up until the storm hits it. So what that means is you can't wait for the storm to hit to start building your life the right way. It has to be built on the foundation before the storm comes. It's awful hard to do construction in a hurricane. So you build on a firm foundation, ready for the storms that you know are going to come. What is that firm foundation? The person of Jesus Christ and his teachings, his word, if you will. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, has been laid, already laid, in his infinite word. It's already here. I love the story of the farmer who owned land along the Atlantic seacoast. He needed help, but he couldn't find help. He couldn't find anybody willing to work at the farm along the seacoast because people knew what happened on that seacoast. Right there off the Atlantic, the storms come in and it, met, it, it makes farming really hard. Storms come regularly. And nobody wanted to do that work. Finally, one day, this skinny little fella showed up. He was kind of short, kind of skinny. Actually, he was beyond middle age. So the farmer was thinking, I don't know. Can this guy really help? The farmer said, are you a good farmhand? And the guy looked at the farmer and he said, well... I can sleep when the wind blows. Farmer kind of didn't really quite know how to interpret that, but nobody else wanted the job. So he said, okay, I'll hire you. Sure enough, he watched the guy, and from sun up to sundown, the guy was working hard every day. He was doing his best. He was doing a, a fine job. Farmer went to bed one night. And before too long, he heard the shutter kind of rattle. He could hear the, the house creak, and he knew what that meant. The, the wind was blowing, and so a storm was coming. He jumped out of bed, and he went to the farmhand. He said, he said wake up, the storms are brewing. The farmhead said, don't worry about it. The farmer said, wake up, we've got to get things ready. There's a storm coming. And the farmhand said, look, I told you, I can sleep when the wind blows. Not quite knowing what else to do, the farmer went outside. He, he, he decided he was going to have to get everything ready, get ready for this storm. And when he did, he, he went outside and he noticed that the hay was already covered with tarps. The cows were already in a barn. The chickens were already in their coop. All the doors had already been, been barred. The shutters were already secure. He went back to the farmhand, said, you've already done all this? And the farmhand said, sir, I told you three times now, I can sleep when the wind blows. And the farmer finally understood. The farmer went to bed that night and he slept while the wind blew. You see, the farmhand could sleep when the wind blew because he was ready. 
Friends, most of us ignore the house we're building. Most of us don't pay attention to the life that we're putting together until all of a sudden a storm comes and we say, God, where are you? Why have you done this to me? What if instead we learn to build our house, our life, on the person of Jesus Christ and his teachings and then we learn to sleep when the wind blows? The wind's gonna blow and it's gonna be hard and it's gonna hurt, but we can sleep because we know the one who is the master of the seas. You remember that time the disciples were with Jesus out on that boat and a storm is brewing and it's blowing and it's going and they're getting tossed back and forth. They don't have any lunch left. It became fish bait a long time ago. And Jesus is doing what? He's asleep. And you go back and you look at that story. And I want you to notice an important phrase in that story. Because it doesn't just say that Jesus was asleep. It said Jesus had placed a pillow and was asleep on the pillow. In other words, he didn't just kind of fall asleep, doze off. He's he's asleep on purpose. He planned to be asleep. And they said, how can you sleep at a time like this? He said, guys, where's your faith? I told you that we were going to go to the other side of the lake. Now, if I told you that we're going to go to the other side of the lake, what do you have to be worried about? If I say we're going to go to the other side of the lake, we're going to be at the other side of the lake. That's why I can sleep when the wind blows. Friend, what's at the, what's at the base of your life? I'm not asking, are you religious? I'm not asking, do you go to church? I'm not asking, do you vote right? I'm not asking, do you look right? Do you talk right? Do you sing? I don't care, but I'm asking, what's at the base? What is all that other stuff built on because if you built it on what mama said or what's popular or what fits into the social media environment in which we live that storm's going to hurt babe but if you've built it and you're in the process of growing that life that house on the person of Jesus Christ and his teachings You can sleep when the wind blows. There is a peace that passes understanding. Waves of discouragement start crashing in. Floods of fear and depression overtake you. Thunder rolls and lightning flashes. Earth shakes. The winds beat against you. Will you stand? Will you endure? Will you be strong? Or will you continue to do things your way And then fall and fail. I want to show you the last two verses of the Sermon on the Mount. Because I want you to see the source of strength identified. When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowd were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority 
not as their scribes. When he finished the Sermon on the Mount, the crowd on that hillside stood or sat in amazement. They had never heard anything like that. They had never heard such authority. The author of life was explaining the reality of life to them. And they were amazed. All other teachers they had ever heard quoted from the scribes, quoted from the theologians. Jesus didn't quote from another man because he was the living word of God. The authority. And when they heard his words, they were in awe. That's where I want to build my life. On the words that have such authority that they can say to the waves of the sea, be still. I want to build my life on the words that have such authority that they can speak to a dead man in the grave and say, come forth. I want to build my life on the words that have such authority that they speak and light appears, that they speak and worlds are created. I want to build my life on the authority of the word of God himself. And folks, I hope that you will agree with me that nothing else is worthy of building a life upon. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. 